0: This is Ralph Carhart, the author of The Hall Ball, and you are listening to Baseball and Barbecue.
1: studios of baseball and bbq on long island new york this is episode number 144 of baseball and bbq i'm jeff cohen here with my co-host the fascinating leonard hollywood aberman welcome to our show leonard well i thought i was listening
2: to a professional announcer that was an intro to beat all intros jeff Episode 144. Excited to be here. Hollywood <laughs> is in the house. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I say that? Can I say is in the house, or mm-hmm. is that just does that show that I'm just an old man? I, I don't know. Let me just tell you guys before we get to our guests that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today, or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code believe fifty. That's B L E A V five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Jeff, we've got a great episode. We. Start with none other than Justin Sherman of Just in Time Baseball. Jeff Ju- Justin has found a way to give the the youths, as we like to say, of America. What'd you say? The youths, the the what? youths, the youths. What's a youth? <laughs> he has. He's if we had a thousand Justin Shermans, then we know that the game of baseball would be played well, would would thrive, because Justin is really taking his baseball academy. He's doing it the right way. You guys, I think you're really going to enjoy hearing from Justin Sherman. And then Jeff, after Justin, we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. Oh, oh, we are. Well, we're going to have on Jerry. Bel Castro, who is Jerry Belcastro, you might ask. Well, he has started the Pizza Cook Off Association. Pizza and Barbecue, I feel they go hand in hand because you know, everybody now with their outdoor ovens, whether it's on a big green egg, whether it's getting an uni or, or these other brands of pizza ovens, outdoor cooking of pizza is great. You take your Weber and you oil the, the dough up a little bit. You can, well, there are ways to do it that you can, you could put foil underneath it. You're going to get the nice char marks on the dough pizza on the grill. It's quick and it's so good. It really is. So we've got Jerry Belcastro. So let's start with you giving out our contact
1: information and then I we take it from there. All righty. You can email us baseball and bbq at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. Our phone number is 516 855 8214 Tweet us. We're on the on the Twitter. We're on the Twitterverse, as they say. Baseball at baseball and BBQ. Leave a comment on our Facebook page, baseball and BBQ. We're on Instagram, believe it or not, baseball and barbecue, with barbecues all spelled out. And our website is www.baseballandbbq.weebly.com. And please subscribe and rate and review us. Thank you. And with that, here's Justin Sherman with Just in Time Baseball. It takes a
2: special person to train and work with, as in my cousin Vinny the Utes, and we are lucky that we have such a person on with us. He is the founder, owner president whatever title you want to give him, of just in time baseball which is a baseball youth training school or what what, we're going to speak to him exactly about what it is and the great things that he does for seriously for the children and his name is justin sherman he is from just in time baseball and Justin, we are so excited to welcome you to Baseball and Barbecue.
0: Well, look, Jeff and Leonard, I really appreciate you having me on. And I've been really doing some homework on the podcast. And it was it's just so entertaining and so great. I and mean, anything to talk baseball and all, obviously the youth level is special to me. So I really appreciate you having me on. Very much so.
1: Well, we're glad you're here. And before Leonard starts asking his question, I've been doing some research on you. And you have quite the compelling story to how you got started in in just-in-time baseball. Would you mind sharing it with
0: us? Sure, sure. So basically, I've been doing private lessons, training, coaching since uh, it's almost 10 years ago already. I can't believe I'm even saying that. So actually training one-on-one lessons 10 years. It's probably by the end of the year, it'd be 10 years. So 10 years. But really, it started to kind of take off and, you know, two years ago, you know, I, I brought on one employee right before the pandemic. It really wasn't even just in time baseball. It was really just Justin Sherman. And I would do private lessons, just, just typical working with kids in the neighborhood. One lesson became two lessons, three lessons. And it really, you know, I really built up a clientele. But right before the pandemic, I brought on my first real employee, which is a big step for me in my entrepreneurial career. But then obviously COVID hit, changed, changed the world forever. Like we all know about the Zoom, the Zoom world has as we're doing this right now. I basically said, you know what? I want to keep continuing to give a service to the kids that I have. Let's do a physical education class. And I'm fast. I'm really jumping all over here, but this is pretty much a summation of it. So I started a phys ed class. I also have my master's on top of this in physical education. So I figured a baseball-ish phys ed class because like kids were not getting phys ed. You know, there's a difference between, and I talk about this with my coaches and other phys ed peers, it's not just a gym teacher, it's a physical education, you know, physical education teacher. So it, during the pandemic, I started doing this Zoom and I just threw it out there, made it very inexpensive so I could just get as many kids as possible and just get as many kids involved. And it just evolved. And I promise you, there's a reasoning dimension in this here. But it just evolved into, you know, I had kids from Colorado, Florida, Chicago, literally on a Zoom. We made News 12 here in Westchester, and it caught like, it was just crazy. It just caught on fire. And then parents, obviously, like I'm sure we can all attest here, get kind of sick of the Zoom. They're like, look, come to our backyard. I'll put the group together. I have, you know, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Can you do like a backyard baseball to you kind of program? I said, okay, sure. Never really did that. We really did one-on- ones This was like 2020, June, 2020. One group became two groups, three groups four all of a sudden, I have 30 groups, and I'm you know doing seven, you know six, seven groups by myself. I'm like, we got it. This is not just like Justin Sherman anymore. This is a company. So the inception was formed of just-in-time baseball, and really our focus, as I really saw throughout that pandemic, is the forgotten age. Really is the four, five, six, and seven-year-olds, and I, I'm sure we're going to dive into it. But I saw the niche. I love, I love it. Enjoy it. They really are the forgotten age, and I took my physical education background and made this not just a throwing, you know, teaching how to throw a ball, but an educational company through the game of baseball. I call us a youth development company. So now, fast forward two years, we have 17 coaches, and we're in 11 different different little leagues and branching out into other states. Wow. Uh, through a ton of hard work and passion and diligency and high standards. So it's been great. And we're doing some very exciting things. And I look forward to the growth and helping as many kids as possible.
2: Now, there are other camps, schools, training. What is it that is different about yours? I'm kind of serving up a softball here because I know that you're different, but for anyone who doesn't know, which probably most of our listeners, what makes you different?
0: So, and I appreciate that question. And, and again, it's like in Shark Tank, like what makes you proprietary? And I think about that every day, by the way, always. I'm always thinking what makes us different, what else? Like that, the quote, like what else could we do? And what else could we do differently than other people? Ne- not necessarily, sometimes different is not good, but I, I really, going back to what I talked about earlier, is truly, I think the ages that we work with, there are real no, there really are not many companies or many, many that I even know, and I know a lot of them that specialize in these rookie programs, which I'll dive into like four, five, six, and seven. They really, I hear like pro level guys that have coached at a high level that say, you know, oh, I, I just don't work with that age. I have no patience. But like, or another quote would be, Oh yeah. You know, it's like babysitting. It's not like babysitting. It is not. If you, if you look at it in a different perspective, you are molding these, these children, you are the base. You are, you have them as clay. Like if you talk as a, like a parent, you are in charge of their development and potentially them continuing to play baseball. So, and I say this to my company and to our staff all the time, like we have a vital role here in their development and passion for their you know, for the game, because ultimately that's what it's about. Like, if they want to continue to play and love the game, that's number one. It's a vital thing, and I think it's it is truly forgotten and I, not appreciated I, enough. So, may, I think what makes us proprietary is our dominance at the youth level.
1: May I say that you, you said something that really uh, is interesting, it's really. And I might be wrong here. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it's really not a a training type of thing. It's more of youth development, but I I know what, what, what training is. I mean, I have my, my son got a little older. We went to training and that got, you know, that that got the one-on-one training got a little uh, pricey, you know, with the one-on-one people. But you know, when you get them at a younger level and development, that's where, where you make an impact.
0: Totally. And again, I'll, I'll tell this to any parent. Like I, I get many phone calls from parents that are like, you know, he really is, he or she is really a beginner. Like, is that okay? I'm like, I, we welcome that and want that. Like I'll ask a kid who here's ever played baseball and when they raise their hand. That's exciting to me. That, sorry. Who has not played baseball and they raise their hand. That's an exciting thing for me. And I tell this to our company, like that is an opportunity to make an impression on a child. So again and I also tell our our parents that sign up it's not a cost it's an investment like we are an educational company like I'm very adamant about that and also we're not just rewarding baseball skills and softball skills we're rewarding great choices so I'm sure you'll get a kick out of it like we did our first, we did two rookie programs we and I'll dive into what a rookie program is but we do these rookie programs and We give out baseball and Pokemon cards. Why? Not for a kid hitting a home run, but for making good choices. So what's a good choice? Not picking dirt. A good choice is being a great teammate, making good eye contact, hustling. Those are all measurable things that not necessarily has to be the kid hit a home run. And I think by highlighting that and making it fun, you will inspire more kids.
2: So Justin, what's the age range that you work with?
0: So I guess I'll dive into the what our our dominant program is right now. So we, our, our age bracket is really four through, I'd say 12 years old. You know, we do work with 13, 14 year olds. Look, I coached in college. A lot of my coaches coached at a higher level, a high level. But again, I like to stay in the range of ages four through 12 years old. I don't want to get too wide. I'd rather get dominate in that age bracket. We do these rookie programs where we will go into a league or a rec department and we are a third-party solution. So we provide a just-in-time rookie program. It's, we just did two brand-new today, brand-new. We had one last year. We have 11 this year, this summer. We go in. We do instruction with each child. Each child gets a name tag because the sweetest word in anyone's vocabulary is their name. I don't understand how in these big groups they don't have that. So if they don't remember the kid's name, that's the coach's fault. Use a name tag. So we give them name tags, we do instruction. We go over the rules, one skill per, per session, and then we break them up into age slash experience level and they do instructional gameplay. And these kids are walking around at four years old with a just in time Jersey and it's just, it's fantastic. It's adorable. It's adorable. And they really get so much out of it, so much out of it. And then we obviously end with closure. So that's been a great thing. We literally are in te- We're all over Westchester County and we just got into Norwalk, Connecticut. We could say we're actually getting it to other states. That's
1: excellent. Just for everybody to know, you can check out Justin Sherman's website at justintimebaseball.com. And I also encourage you to go to the his YouTube page. Lots of great short videos, I would say, and where you give messages to parents and you show some skills, which I thought was uh, terrific because, you know, it, it really grabs everybody's attention.
0: Yes. And and again, we're, we're building, I'm working on an even bigger play as far as to get more content because uh, again, another Avenue of our company. And I guess this is more of a Justin Sherman within Justin time baseball, but eventually, eventually it's, it will be a Justin time thing is a, a new area is I'm actually being asked to speak to parent coaches on how to run practices and how to keep the kids organized. That has become a huge niche. I did our first uh, March 20, yeah, this March, I did a national uh, coaches convention basically on Zoom. It was all on Zoom. We had 60 parents. I had parents from Chicago, Florida. And again, it's not a matter of like, okay, this is a good drill for launch angle. No. It's how do you manage the children? That's what also I believe with Justin time baseball and the phys ed background. Like, I don't care what level you play it, pay, uh, played at. If you don't know how to communicate with a six-year-old and manage children, it does not matter. Meaning for ages at least four through seven.
1: You know, one of the videos I kind of enjoyed, and it's less than 30 seconds, is telling them how to catch with the alligator mouth instead of the hippo mouth that you just put up. I, I thought that was very cute.
0: Yes, yes. And again, cues. like for any parent or any youth coach, just listening again, anything I'm saying is just things that I've learned that worked. We're all learning. We're all students. I'm a student. We're all students, but cues are a major thing. Uh, You know, and I I know a lot of coaches know that, but you know, simply that's just a great reminder not to scoot, you know, have a cradle, cradle arms when you're catching a ball, as opposed to having strong hands when they're catching the baseball. Yeah. hundred percent like cues. We're big on cues.
2: Justin, let me lob another one over the plate. You, I love that. As, <laughs> as a, you know, running this, this baseball uh, clinic and all this, you must have played. Uh, I'm assuming you at least must have been a high minor leaguer, maybe in the majors. I mean, you, you had to have been a, a major league player, right?
0: So I, I did not play that level. I don't know if the softball question, that was the softball answer. Oh,
2: that was, no, I, I cause I knew the answer, okay. but I, and I love the fact that I, I heard you talking about it somewhere else. And I love the fact that you, you mentioned the chip and I, I would, I would really appreciate you getting into all that. And,
0: and yeah. so, so you know. in high school, okay. First of all, in high school, I didn't even make my junior varsity baseball team. I give that story to a lot of people. But I only say it not to brag or, or whatever. I say it to a child because there's a lot of situations where a kid will not make a high school baseball team, let's say, freshman or modified, and they give up. But I just said, you know what? I was actually going to play golf, which I still love playing golf. But um, I said, you know what? I need to increase my effort and actions. Like just tri- no crazy sh- – Schmancy, fancy schmancy, just increase activity to hit the target. I think that's an any. You know, you talk entrepreneurship, baseball, athletics, increase activity to hit a target, not lower the target. I just said I got to work harder, straight up. I didn't work as hard as I could. And I made the varsity baseball team. For me, I have a soft spot for that child that is maybe not like, you know, the first round draft pick or, or high, you know, division one baseball player. Whatever, I I was not that kid. And that's what I really also helped me inspire this for this company. Most of the kids we see in our company might probably won't make it past sixth grade to play baseball. You know, if they do, wonderful. But as far as even just skill-wise, I have a soft spot for that for that child that just loves the game and wants to develop their skills and build their confidence. So I played at Purchase College, a great art music school. And now has become a pretty solid Division Three baseball school in, in the Northeast, and I actually coached there as well. I did coach there as well, so I coached there in college and played there, and it was a great experience. But yeah, to answer your question, no, I was not. I just by the, by the, you know the uh, what's what's the expression by, I don't even know how to say it. But basically, I barely made the varsity team. It was oh, like, by the
2: skin guess, of your teeth. Exactly. So.
0: There we go. I'm having a, a, a lag here. So yeah, by the skin of my teeth, I mean, I barely made it. So, but I made it and then the rest is history. I just kept grinding. So I always have a soft spot for that child because a lot of kids are in that spot. More kids are in that spot than playing high-level baseball.
2: And then what do you say to the kid that comes in? They say, you know, they just want to hit home runs and they think that I I would hope that at, you know, at four and five, they're not, but you know, 12, 13, 13. You know, whatever the, you know, they watch ESPN, they've got their favorite players and they come in and they think that they're just, you know, launch angle and all the things that I know make Jeff angry about the current state of the game. So
0: so Jeff and Leonard, who invented launch angle? Because I could tell you who invented it because the word launch angle, I know because I have that old school mentality not to say, you know, that's it's beautiful. Launch angle was Ted Williams. Ted Williams.
1: Yeah. That's why he was.
0: said swing slightly up. That yeah. that's what it is that I, I know I'm assuming you both read the science of hitting, but, or maybe not. He, that's his legendary that's book. was yeah. always swing slightly up. So you could call it what we could call it, whatever it is, but that is launch angle, right? It's okay. It's, it's Ted Williams. He was the, the, who's my favorite hitter of all time. I'd love to know both yours. But basically, yeah, the way I look at it is when I work with a kid who's a little bit older, where I'll I'll do like a one-on-one session, I'll just say, look, Johnny, how many home runs do you have over the fence? And they'll most likely say either one or zero. I said, so how many line drives do you have? A lot. I said, why don't we just dominate hitting line drives and the ball eventually will get over the fence. Be a good hitter first. I really, truly believe focus on your strengths, just like anything in life. It's corny Mm -hmm. as it sounds, but. I didn't hit my first home. I hit more home runs in college than I did in Little League by just staying within my approach. I think that's a very important thing. That could be a whole other podcast, but staying within the approach. I think that's very important for a coach to reiterate to a child.
1: Let let me ask you this. As a coach, each kid has their own, I guess, batting style, batting stance. I know when I was a, a kid, my coaches taught the kids to hit the same way you know,
0: but everybody's different. How, how do you approach it? I love this question. I love this question. I'm also the same way. I'm, I'm very loose, but I have, I have kind of like I tell our coaches, like I'm not going to tell you what to teach, but I do have some principles that I like to stay by. I mean, no matter, as long as you're athletic, loose and hands are close to the hitting slot, meaning like kind of by your ear, You go for it, whatever you think is comfortable. I am not the way... Because every hitter is different. Every hitter is different, clearly, obviously. I just think as long as the principles of them being athletic and their hands being near the hitting slot by the launch... Because you look at a guy like Anthony Rizzo, who has his hands by his belly button, who is fantastic. And then you have a hitter like, uh, I don't know, Stanton. They both have to be... They're both in... Pretty similar launch position. So, as long as they're near the launch position in an athletic lower half position, I'm fine with it. So, to answer your question, I'm not too picky, but I am picky about the athletic position. I say, like, guarding someone in basketball. I actually call it to the little guys, I, I call it a UAP, which is a universal athletic position. So, instead of me saying freeze, I say UAP to reinforce that athletic position. So when I'm working on batting stance, I say, okay, UAP, listen to your thumb. So obviously, it's some kids are going to have it a little lower, a little higher, but it's pretty much near their ear, near the launch position. Those are my principles.
2: Now, you have an indoor facility for during the winter? What happens?
0: So, So what we do is from March to November, we're bouncing around different fields. We partner with a lot of, obviously, little leagues and rec departments. But when we get into the winter, we really get more towards like after Christmas, holiday, Hanukkah break, New Year's, we rent many facilities. So I, I am in the process of potentially getting a permanent home, but we really fat, we have great partnerships with great facilities where they basically just give it to us. So like, you know, we'll use gymnasiums, especially for the little little kids. Like if they're four or five years old, a gymnasium with softy balls and tennis balls. We do. so a combination of gymnasiums, indoor facilities, and different rec departments. That's how we juggle it for now. That could very well change.
2: At age four, the kids are throwing curveballs. Is that what i'm <laughs> Is that what I'm hearing?
0: No, definitely. Uh, I, you know I, I'd love to get your thoughts on it, but I mean i I don't know why there's such a there's really that's such a subject in the youth that's such a it really is a topic. At the youth level, about curveballs. I'm such a fan of, and I think I'm segwaying here, but for good topic, I'd rather teach a changeup. Like I'll tell a nine-year-old, "Let's be amazing with a changeup." I mean, there's zero pressure on the elbow. I don't understand the rush to have a curveball. How about spotting your fastball and hitting your location? Yeah, spotting and hitting your locations and having a great changeup. I'd rather see that than a curveball till their arm develops.
1: I was going to ask a different question, but now I'm going to go, in, go into this one. When my kid was playing, and he's now 21, but he was uh, playing travel ball when he was, you know, 14, to 18, whatever. This coach is, and he was not a pitcher, but it, these coaches always had a pitch count on, on the pitchers. How, is it more, is, is the pitch, is the actual pitch count important? Or is it the, I guess, the stress on on the type of pitchers that are more important?
0: So there's a great pitching coach. He's probably, I would say, he's probably the most, one of the most well-known throwing mechanic. I'm sure you heard the name Tom House. Mm-hmm. Tom House. And he even talks about it. I think it's a combination of every. It's a culmination. It also depends on the child. Depends on the mechanics. You know, it also depends on. It really depends on their mechanics and their and their growth and where they're at physically. So I don't know if there's an exact science to it. But I would say good, great mechanics alleviate a lot of that. Like if a kid has great, easy, smooth mechanics and he, you know, look, looks effortless after let's just say, because the pitch limit is, is 85, I believe from nine to 11 years old in little league official rules. If the kid I've seen a kid throwing at right at 85, that looks like he just got on the mound. And then I'll see a kid throwing at 20 pitches that has, choppy mechanics that you know we might want to pull him after 30 because of his mechanics so i think it's really there's no one cookie cutter answer i think it's a culmination of mechanics you know maybe prior workload like if a kid's throwing a lot in the backyard and then he gets on the mound later like it really depends it's a culmination i think it's not a cookie cutter answer
2: how many years have you been doing this now
0: uh, nine years so basically we're uh pretty much 10 years. I'm going to be 31 okay. in November. So I've been doing okay. it. since I'm 21.
2: You ever have a kid who just you're like, wow. Like you could see the pure talent and you just, you know, what's going to be or.
0: So I'll tell you a funny one, you know, a crazy one. So basically I used to work at this summer camp and it was a great camp in, in New Rochelle. And I saw this one child raw, like extremely raw. And, you know, I work with him just on the side during the camp. And I'm like, this kid is raw. I mean, like he was a little over the place on the mound. He wasn't going like super unbelievably fast, but he was going fast, super quick speed, but just everything he did was just like electric. Just, it just looked different. Fast forward, I he was playing high school baseball in New Rochelle. He made the New Rochelle high school team. All of a sudden, I see his miles go up, miles go up, miles go up. Played at LeMoyne College, Division Two, I believe, which is a solid school. They're not like a powerhouse, but a solid school. And all of a sudden, I see the kid get drafted by the Washington Nationals. He's in the rotation. That's Josiah Gray. Do you oh, know wow. that name? Yeah. So I actually coached him. I could say i coached him for briefly. And all of a sudden I see this kid in the big leagues as the number two starter for the nationals right now. So he he was the guy I would say that was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. this, This kid, he's raw. He was raw. But he was like, there was something about him. And clearly he's now a big leader, a legit. That's big amazing.
2: I, I was going to say, uh, what was it? Mariano Rivera. Cause he's from New Rochelle, I believe, or he lives, he in now, or he so lives like there. He,
0: he just built his <laughs> church New Rochelle. Yeah. I used to play against his son. He's, he was a stud and he got drafted by the nationals ironically as well. Wow. wow. So, and he's a, uh, yeah, he's new row, new row. And he's very active in the community. Very active. Great guy. Met him multiple times.
1: On your website, you have just-in-time services. So you give private lessons, you make your own group. There's one thing here that really caught my eye, which I believe a lot of Lily coaches probably use your services, is parent coaching instruction. Could you tell us about that? Because I I know some of the coaches I've seen could use that.
0: No doubt about it. So again, I really get such a thrill out of doing that. So I, I did it. Before the pandemic, I would go into – I was very fortunate to be asked to go to two little leagues. One little league, it was a smaller turnout, but still 15 coaches, parents, and it was like T-ball, rookie ball levels. And Again, I I taught them. I said, listen, I can give you all the drills in the world here. Let me tell you how to manage it, manage a group. And I say this to our just-in-time staff, like – partner and individual activities and I believe this is an- going to answer your question partner and individual activities save a youth practice so typically when I'm coming into these little leagues and speaking to these parent coaches because that now we're doing now I'm doing it all over New York and across the country on zoom this is it's taken a life of its own so I, I will yes talk about drills but managing a children managing children, and what do you do if you're by yourself? So, most of these parents, they're God bless all of them, God bless any parent coach, youth. They are the underbelly of youth sports, right? We, we don't want to abolish parents, we want to work in unison with them. So, basically, we'll go in, they're getting off a train from Manhattan, they got the half tie duck off, you know, they're just trying to rush off the train and start helping out their son and their, you know, just be a part of the community and help out with God bless them. What do you do? One coach, one parent, know nothing about bait. Let's just say they know not, let's just say they have no knowledge of baseball. What do you do? The biggest thing I, I look at to keep the kids engaged and having fun is no standing around. And I tell every parent, the age of the child should be the duration of the drill. So if they're five and six years old, any drill you're going to do, I don't care what it is, self-catch, Hitting, it should be five minutes. They're five. It should be five minutes because standing around is the devil in a, youth, in a youth baseball practice, which I know you both know that. So I always harp on when I speak to parent coaches on individual and partner activities. Like if I have, I'll have one of our coaches work with 30 kids because I know it's individual, it's either like if, instead of them playing catch with each other, How about self-catch? Let's just say ages four through seven. I'd rather see a kid by themselves throw a ball up to themselves, get more repetition as opposed to at at the five-year-old level, a child, a five-year-old and a five-year-old having a catch. Depends on the experience level, but I'm I'm a huge fan on individual and partner activities for parent coaches. I hope that answers your question.
2: I happen to see that you're going to have Thomas Nito, who is uh, a Met a New York Met. So, and you're going to have him as the end of summer classic. I think Jeff might enroll in that.
0: You (laughs) guys are more than welcome to come (laughs) aboard. And Thank uh, you.
2: But, but what I'm curious about, and I see that, and I think it's terrific is the process. How do you go about you? You've got Mets and Yankees in this town. And so now you, you, you're bringing in a Met. Maybe the Mets come cheaper. I don't know. Yankees are very expensive. But I don't know how that works. I'm very curious how and 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 then do you go the, the second part is then okay, you you you're gonna get a Met and you go to the Mets and I, I don't know, do you have to pay for that? Do they do they volunteer? Is there a level like you get a Thomas Nito because you know, because Alonso is too expensive? I have no idea, but I'm very curious.
0: So here's what I could say without because there's some I got to walk on eggshells here.
2: I got it. Put it this way.
0: Put it this way. All I can say, he's coming. I know various people that helped me get him. And he's not doing it as a charity, which Mm -hmm. is totally fine. We're in a, this is America. Of course. Uh, But he, he, he does. I did speak to his people and he doesn't just do it, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, you could you could take that with a grain of salt. He he knows kind of where our company is, which I was flattered. As far as he wanted, he actually wanted to get a lot of information about what we're doing before just stepping on the field. Because obviously, forgetting the monetary, like his he's representing himself and his values, so they align. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking on eggshells here, trying to be politically correct.
2: No, you know what? You don't need to. It. He's I, coming
0: in. Yeah. And I'm not that, trying to
2: put, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. Oh, no, I no, didn't, no. you know, I don't, I don't. at all, but I just, I'm just curious how, you know, how something like that happens, but I think it's great that it does happen. The kids yeah. love it. I mean, look, adults love it. I mean, <laughs>
0: you know, so here's, here's my thought process and this is the the honest truth. So like, he's coming in and I'm doing this for a reason because during the pandemic, you know, as we were coming out of the pandemic, it was very hard to get kids together. Obviously, social distance and whatever. I actually started my own league this winter. I called it the Just in Time Winter Rookie League. I rented one of the biggest domes in the Northeast, and I got sixty five kids, ages four, five, six, and seven years old, to play baseball together. These little peanuts walking around this huge dome. It was it was crazy. So my whole thought process is not, not only the, the monetary, just like getting the big picture, getting kids together during this, you know, kids went to sleep away. You know, it looks like knock on wood, things are pretty much getting back to normal. I want to do almost as like a thank you to my kids and parents. Cause I, I know, I feel like every kid that signs up with us is a family member. Really, truly, that's the way I look at it, and I think that's what makes this grow quicker because I truly want to – they're like family. In a nutshell, my idea for this was to make it special just for the kids. Like They've been going through craziness the last two years, so Mm -hmm. honest, God, honest truth, I'm bringing in a Met. It's something different. There's nothing like it in Westchester, and it's for the kids. So everything comes down to that, and that was my thought process to do this. And yeah, he, his, his values align, I believe, as I hope so. And God willing, I'm saying this now, I hope he's still a New York Met catcher at that time. I think he totally will be. He's a great defensive catcher and I heard he really is into like the youth level. So it it, it was a great fit.
2: Yeah. That's great that he's doing it. It, it. it is. It really is.
1: Justin, I have another question. It might be a little dark if you don't mind, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. You know, I know we've heard these stories in youth, youth baseball, in little leagues, how parents get a little obnoxious sometimes. A little no way, A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Say it ain't so. And I have a philosophy when, uh, when my kid was playing. I always said, let players play, let coaches coach, let umpires umpire, let spectators spectate. What do you do w- when these parents get you know, out of hand at the, these little league games.
0: So it, it, I deal with it all the time. I deal with it all the time. Th- those are their babies. You get it. Cause you have kids. Empathetically they're passionate about wanting their child to succeed. And obviously a lot of the times they go overboard. I think it's very important. To ha- and this is why I say work in unison day one like when i'm coaching because we also what we also do a part of this service which really should frankly be on the website but we'll go into other little league teams and coach their teams or run their practices with the parent coaches so that's another part of our service so when we walk into these practices and and to these teams and organizations like day one lay down i don't want to say lay down the law but lay down your expectations and excuse me, I almost come up with like a mini agreement. Like you agree to this. This is an agreement. And also like if you're telling a parent how to quote unquote pro coach or, or a just in time coach, the coach, I would say to any parent, I wouldn't walk into your office and tell you how to you know place a trade or whatever it is or your, whatever you're doing. It's the same thing. That's our office. Like this is what we do. Let us do our job. So I think just being open- you know, honest communication, not to say that settles it, but it's a real thing. It's definitely a real thing. It's something that needs to be continuously hammered. The message of kids are kids. No one's trying to fail ever on a baseball field or just in general. And like an umpire is truly, you'd be, I'd be shocked, but an umpire is not in it for any specific team. Like they're just there for the kids and for the game and for the, for the overall experience. But to answer your question, it's definitely a, a subject now. It's, it's as prevalent now as ever. It's actually getting worse. You know, I think it takes someone that really cares about the youth level to really instill, like hammer on the message, let kids play fun, positive, fun, positive, learning, fun, positive. Hope that answers it.
2: Yeah and and you know Jeff's right of course about the spectators but I remember when when my son was in little league there was a coach that he had and this coach would would kind of get out of hand and start to swear you know if something didn't go right on the field or if a player and the parents we it was very uncomfortable because you know obviously they're volunteers and we're not doing it you know we're not volunteering but at the same time the kids even even you know they would say you know why did so-and-so say that bad word and it's not just sometimes the coaches they volunteer and which is great but I think they need they need their they need the training too
0: no doubt about it no doubt about and and I say it's actually a great segue because when I go into these parent coaching seminars, like when I go into a little league, I'll ask the parents, why are you coaching? Why are you coaching? Because, and like I say it to our just-in-time staff, why are you coaching? I, I constantly ask that. And it's very important when you feel that urge to get out of hand or lose your control, because it's really, it's about control. Go back to your why. So if, you're, if you have a six-year-old, seven-year-old playing baseball and they're missing, you know, missing a ball and you're yelling at them, and you, you know, you're, you need to show empathy and understand, like, if I was that child, would I perform better if I had a, a grown man yelling at me from the stance empathy and straight up, just going back to your why? Like, okay, I got to understand this is about the kids and about the game. It's not about you. It's about the kids. So I asked the parent coaches, why are you doing it? Just to put things in perspective. You know, if you're trying to win championships at the seven-year-old level, you're not doing it for the right reasons. It's about the big picture stuff. Yeah.
2: I have to tell you that I I have uh, somebody that I, a friend of mine who I bowl with. People know I'm a bowler because the name Hollywood (laughs) is, but, and he is a fantastic coach and he will get, parents will just he'll He'll show me things that he, you know, as we're pulling, he'll get texts and things from parents and 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 just the compliments that he receives. and what he does and the amount of hours that he puts in, he'll change his work schedule just so he can coach the kids. And when I say change his schedule, he'll and he's able to do this with his job, but he'll go on graveyard shift during the season just so he's available to coach the kids. Wow, the dedication from some of these coaches and, and I'm sure your staff to work with the, with the children is to be highly commended. It really is. And, and-
0: you have to, you have to. And again, it, it is, it's beyond listen, money is important, but you gotta love what you gotta love working with kids. You have to. And that's why, like when I interview coaches, I'm like, so why do you want to do this? Why, why do you want to work with Justin time baseball? Is it just to get a paycheck Because if that's what you want to do, you know, yeah, money's important. Don't, we're on an economic planet. Don't get me wrong. And I, you know, it's important. But you got to love working with kids. You got to, you got to. And again, it's not a matter of I like baseball. Like just because you like baseball, you got to love and be patient. Patience is the biggest thing for a youth coach. I really believe so. Patience. But, You know, I always ask why, because you got to love it. You have to love it.
2: Well, that now we're going to segue because it has been a pleasure. We've loved speaking with you. You definitely we want to give you every opportunity to plug your Facebook page, your business, your because I think that it's parents are looking for guidance for their kids they're, if a parent wants to put their kids in a program they're gonna do it but putting them in the right program is so important and i think that with you that is the right program so uh, please take uh you know get, do everything you uh right now plug away
0: well i appreciate it again i really appreciate the uh opportunity like i said earlier um yeah look if you want to follow us on youtube justin time baseball Instagram, just in time. We're very big on Instagram. We have over 5,000 followers and, and growing. Again, specializing in youth drills for parent coaches, youth coaches, just in time, baseball, Twitter, getting a lot of Twitter stuff. Also LinkedIn, Justin Sherman, I'll post like, I'll write articles on like different drills and organizational principles for youth coaches. So the website, Justin time, baseball. And definitely just feel free to reach out to me straight up. Just coach, you can email me at Coach Justin at JustinTimeBaseball.com. I can answer any questions. If you're a youth coach, parent, kid, whatever, I'm here to help. So I appreciate it.
2: Well, we, we greatly appreciate having you on. Uh, Justin, it's been a pleasure. And thank you very much for coming on Baseball and Barbecue.
1: And we would like to thank Justin Sherman for coming on the show. He's doing a great thing for for the youth of America. You know, the getting Utes. involved with baseball at a very young age, teaching him the right way. What do you
2: think, Len? If I had taken his courses and, and he had been around when I was a kid, I'd probably be playing Major League Baseball right now. Okay, maybe not.
1: Maybe not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Jeff, I want to talk to you about something. Uh-oh, what I do? No, it's not an uh-oh. I, I, I probably did make <laughs> that too doom and gloomy, didn't I? What did I do? No, the Hall of Fame. The oh, ceremony. Hall of Fame, yes. It
1: happened. Last week.
2: Yeah. We, we may end up going all over the place with this, but let's congratulate why, some why, of why our that, former... Why should that be different? <laughs> exactly. Let's congratulate some of our former guests. First of all, Irene Hodges, yeah. her father...
1: Yeah. Give a wonderful speech yes. at yeah. the Hall of Fame.
2: Absolutely. Gil Hodges finally, it took a long time, but it's it, you know, it's finally such a well-deserved honor. And Irene is such a special woman and, and her family, they deserve it. They really deserve it. I mean, he deserves it. He should have been in a long time it's ago. A long time ago, yes. Yeah. Jim Cott. No, former desk. Gasp. Hall of Fame. Hall of Famer, Jim Cott. Hall of Famer. 25 years in the game. Bob Kendrick,
1: not in the Hall of Fame, although maybe one day. Maybe one day, but he, uh, his great friend, Buck O'Neill, finally got his place where he deserved in the Hall of Fame.
2: Absolutely. And Bob is so proud to, to have him have received that honor. Um, but Buck O'Neill... Is now in the Hall of Fame. And, of course, now Tim Kirchen, who we had on, he received an award from the Hall of Fame. So that's another one.
1: Yes. Did you know he went to Walter Johnson High School? Really? Well, he told us that when we interviewed him. Okay. Looking at his bio here, yeah, Walter Johnson High School. Okay. In in Bethesda, Maryland. How about that? Who else? But Farrell got in the Hall of Fame. Of course, Mini well, Minoso, mm-hmm. Tony Oliva, and Big some Poppy. Yeah, some guy no. in Boston. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Big Poppy. And uh, so we congratulate all of them, all of the Hall of Famers. They really put in a great class yesterday. They really did. and And you know, those plaques are so incredible. The images that they have on those plaques are so good. Mm-hmm. They really.
1: And we, we did have somebody who has instrumental in writing those plaques, Marty Appel. Yeah.
2: So we have a lot of ties with the show to this year's hall of fame class. And that's, it's very exciting.
1: Yes. And did you know that for 2023, the new eligible players who are on the ballot there's only a handful of them uh, you tell me how many votes they're going to get i'm going I'm to read your list you tell me how many votes they're going to get jason <laughs> okay. worth
2: Hell, his mom might be voting <laughs> jared weaver okay D- do i really need to say a number hudson street that's a that, you know they got a good pizza place on hudson street <laughs> francisco
1: rodriguez okay johnny peralta these are all first-timers. Mike Napoli. Okay. John Lackey. Andre Ethier. Now, you know, the, the, they, re, they make the criteria. They play 10 years in the league. Right. You know, they're not on the ineligible list. They're mm-hmm. entitled to be on the ballot. Jacoby Ellsbury. Ja- <laughs> okay. Matt Kane, And the last first-time eligible to be on the Hall of Fame ballot, Carlos
2: Beltran
1: oh that might be a little uh you know controversial there
2: yeah there's going to be some discussion there yes um not uh Carlos Beltran not suspended for steroids ever no but he was the
1: only player mentioned in that cheating scandal you know I I think that's going to do a lot of damage to him I don't you know I don't know if he was a uh, I didn't know if he was a slam dunk right the truth He's not. That's the problem. Very good player. Very good. You know, all star several times. Good player. Great player. I'm not nine time all star. 1999 American League Rookie of the Year. Played for 20 years. Got one World Series this last year with the with the Astros. But you know, you know there uh, there's a movie called Bang the Drum Slowly. Well, he banged the cash (laughs) train cash train slowly. I guess. Who knows.
2: Okay, so, Jeff, is Carlos Beltran, was Carlos Beltran better than Harold Baines? And I'm not expecting you to.
1: Well, no, that's a rhetorical question, of course.
2: Yeah. Again, when Harold Baines and some people would argue, I, I actually spoke to someone who said, Harold Baines, he's a Hall of Famer, of course. I was very surprised that person said that. But. That was their opinion. But when Harold Baines went in the Hall of Fame, he was a really very good player, in my opinion. But it does do something to uh, the bar.
1: Yeah. And Carlos Beltran played for the Royals, the Astros, the Mets, the Giants, the Cardinals, the Yankees, and the Rangers. Seven teams. He would have played for the Yankees sooner.
2: <laughs> exactly
1: right. <laughs> but if he was to get on into the hall of fame, does he go on with a hat? I some some players don't have hats on on them, right? But if he was to go with a baseball cap on, which team would it be?
2: He, it would look so funny. Now, follow me here. On this is this is one of my this 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 is one of my crazy things. Sesame Street, Oscar the Grouch. When he puts his head up, isn't the trash can like attached to his head? Yes. Okay. Carlos Beltran, Hall of Fame plaque, trash can for a hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the trash, the cover yes. is a trash can. Yes. Okay. I mean, I think he had uh, the most ex- sustained success with the Mets. I think he was on that team. And, and it was 20 years, the longest of the. He was on that team for six years. He was the with the Mets the longest. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Was, after the few years, Royals, Cardinals, you know. But for the most part, he was on the Mets. Right. Uh, I don't know if Mets fans really want him to go in with a with a Met cap on. You know what?
2: He's the scapegoat. He really is because none of the players, if if he didn't go into managing, let's say he skipped a year, and he didn't go into managing. His name wouldn't have been mentioned.
1: Uh, well, we don't know that. We don't know that. I mean, well, how come sp- in- specifically said Carlos Beltran
2: understood, but well, I-, I don't know. I just,
1: there's a lot of
2: players on that team that were wrong. Hey, you know what, Jeff? I mean, now yeah, we're going to get into this whole Houston Astro scandal, but you, you talk to other people and all these teams are doing it and it doesn't make it right. But, and, and the way they did, actually the way they did, it was very creative. Not for ingenuity, I guess. (laughs) You know, I mean, but if Carlos Beltran was a slam dunk Hall of famer, then it'd be a little different. Then, then you'd know whether this controversy was really stopping him. So now if he doesn't get in, it's going to be, was it the controversy or was he just not a Hall of Fame worthy player?
1: Right. We, we won't know. We won't know. And, you know, I know you You said that is, you know, tell Harold Baines is and this guy. I mean, could we, I mean, I guess we use that as a bar, I guess. It's, I guess the Harold Baines, like the Mendoza line, that's the bar. Is it better <laughs> than this guy or not? I guess then people could say, well, the bar was obviously
2: lowered when you had the first five that went in and then anyone after that, but yeah. that's not true. There's right. there's players that went in after that were every bit as good as some, probably some of the originals. I don't know, Jeff. I, I got to really look at his stats. I never really thought of Carlos Beltran as a Hall of Famer, but he he does have some incredible numbers. So
1: yeah, you know. all right. I have a hankering for, for some pizza. What do you think, Len?
2: I do too. So let's order in. And while we do that, let's get Jerry Belcastro.
1: Hi, this is Gary Mack of the Mets Musings podcast. And if you want a lip-smacking, finger-licking
3: good podcast, then you got to listen to Baseball and BBQ with Lennon Jeff. They have the best guests and the best recipes on all the internet. So check it out, Baseball
2: and BBQ. baseball and barbecue and pizza fans. You all know barbecue, outdoor cooking lends itself well to a lot of different foods, a lot of high heat foods, and pizza is no exception. As a matter of fact, if you look lately, you're going to see a lot of different pizza cooking devices for outdoors. Pizza is taking over. And our next guest is hoping that pizza definitely takes over and as far as he's concerned i think pizza has taken over is taking over and he is with us who is he jerry belcastro and you guys are going to learn about the pizza cook-off association and so much more we are so happy to announce that jerry is joining us on baseball and barbecue jerry welcome to baseball and barbecue thank you nice to be here
1: Welcome, Jerry. Jerry, I have a question right off the bat. I'm looking at your website and it says here, according to a Google search, there are 61,269 pizzerias in the US alone. Is that just New York, though? <laughs> I, I, I bet
3: the vast majority of that's New York. But since I, since I grabbed that stat off Google, I'm sure it's grown exponentially since then. So, but New York's definitely the king city of pizza.
1: We have Rays. We have the original Rays, the, the famous Rays. You know, we we have an argument of which one, which Rays the, is the original one, I guess. It,
2: I guess Jerry's not he's not going to get involved in that argument. He's right. staying clear. He's like, you could keep your Rays. OK, <laughs> uh, it's only we we know Ray Sheehan of Barbecue Buddha. That is our Ray. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jerry. By the way, I've eaten at basically every single one of those New York pizzerias, and I've got the stomach to prove it, okay? Jerry, we found out about you because you have started the Pizza Cook-Off Association. Uh, Competitive cooking has become a huge thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what made you decide to start the Pizza Cook-Off Association?
3: Well, just to give you a little bit of background about myself, I came out of college and my sister and I opened a a pizza and sub place here in the little town of McDonough, which is about 35 miles south of Atlanta. We had a monopoly in this town for about five years until Pizza Hut and Domino's came in in the mid 80s. That's ironically how I've decided to do this. My wife and I started uh, judging barbecue for the Georgia Barbecue Association in 2019. And then. Getting involved with that, we found out there's there was a steak cookoff association. That didn't really intrigue me because the the steak cookoffs are held in one day versus the barbecue world, where it's a two-day, sort of a two-day event. And I, I started, you know, I, I came up with the idea, you know, why not pizza? And then I was watching one night the, the History Channel, Foods of Built America, and the episode had Domino's and Pizza Hut how they got their start and that really hit home with me and that that's what sort of pushed me over the edge to to, to do this
2: you know it's interesting the there are certain foods that have uh, say almost like groupies barbecue the barbecue has its shows everybody knows all the pitmasters you know you say chris lily to someone they know who that is tuffy stone they know who that is they know bobby flay and his barbecue brawl and They know barbecue. Pizza is another one of those where when you talk to people in New York, they have pizza tours. Jeff was saying there are pizza places that are famous. They're extremely well known. There are numerous books written about all the pizza places and in search of the perfect pizza. And you've got Chicago that's known for one type of pizza and New York is another and Detroit, Detroit, right? It is interesting that there are certain foods that will they become passionate about. Spaghetti and meatballs is not you don't see people uh, that you know. It's or or even I I don't know scrambled eggs whatever food but pizza has become like barbecue. A lot of people devoted to it. Why do you think that is?
3: I just think because there's so many variations of a pizza and that's going to be the beauty of this, this association, not downplaying playing or any of the other associations, but when you cook barbecue and you have certain categories, you can't, you, there's, there's different ways to put different spices and stuff on barbecue. And uh, when you're cooking steak, same, same way you could, you could marinate it. You could put different rubs on it, but pizza, you could go so many different directions with pizza you know Neapolitan. You could do a, a certain style of pizza. You could do. You could have a contest and just have certain ingredients be on that pizza. You could cook. Not to jump ahead, but we cook two rounds of pizza. Everybody that, that enters cooks one round, and then we then we select the five finalists, and those finalists cook for for the for the money. And you could have everybody cooking the same pizza to begin with, and then on the finals you could change it up and say you know cook your best one. So that that's the beauty of this you you could really the whoever's promoting the event could call the shots and and say we're going to do this style of pizza that, that's what's going to make it fun
1: hey, take us through uh, a typical event for the pizza cook off association is it does it have to be a round pizza could it be a sicilian type of pizza does it have to have toppings does it not have to have toppings what, what you know take us through a a, a typical event
3: okay you go through the website and sign up, and just for s- simplicity's sake, you have 15 cooks. You could cook a round pizza or a square pizza, but it has to be as close to 12 inches as you can. We don't we don't get the tape measures out to, to measure the pizza, but we have a couple devices. Uh, one of my sponsors is called Portion Paddle, and they created a paddle... That's 12 inches, round or square, and it has indentations on it. So when you slice it, you're getting perfect slices. That's sort of our gauge. But as far as an event goes, the, the cooks show up that morning. You, they, they sign in and they pick a random number, and that's the order they start cooking in. And when when the clock goes off, say the, you know, the timeline in the morning, we'll, we'll have a, a cook's meeting, we'll have a judge's meeting, and then we'll have what's called an ancillary cook which is something other than pizza, but, it, but it has to be Italian. That's one of the rules of my association. And then say 12 o'clock, the first, whoever drew first starts their cook and then so on down the road, then down the line. But those pizzas, when they're done, they're put on a round cardboard circle. They don't cut it. They turn it into the turning table from there. It gets assigned another number. So there's no kind of monkey business. And it goes to the judge's table. They judge on appearance before it gets cut. So that pizza's is, you know, they're looking at it. How they got that cook turned it in. They score on appearance. And then it gets put on that portion paddle. It gets cut evenly. And there's five judges and there's six slices. And we do that for a purpose. We, we leave that one slice there just in case after they eat a portion of it, they can go back and, and reference it if they need to. but they. From there, they judge on four categories, and those are construction, how that pizza is built. It's already judged on appearance. Construction, the crust, we we, uh, judge separately, just the crust on its own. And then for taste, Um, we calculate the scores. And then, as I mentioned, those five top finalists will cook for the finals. And in the finals, we do it a little differently. We do comparative judging. We notify the five finalists. They all cook at the same time. Those pizzas all turned in and they're all put on the, the table together. So you have five pizzas sitting there and they're judged against each other. They're not judged against, you know, your best pizza you've eaten. We judge them against each other. And then we have a fifth category on the finals. It's called overall impression. And that's calculated with a decimal point. So there's no tie.
2: Yeah. Now, Jerry, you, you mentioned that you have an ancillary category it has to be Italian, so I can't enter my grandmother's matzo ball soup. That's it's off limits. That we that that's not a possibility. Is what I'm
3: understanding. We uh, really might bend the rules for you a little bit there.
2: Thank you, thank you. See, Jeff, <laughs> the, 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 having a podcast yes. does have privileges, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to cooking the pizza. I've noticed in the rules you can use the pizza ovens that they can either bring or I think might be provided. But they also can use a, a smoker or a grill or a grass grill. Correct?
3: Correct. Yeah, we want to really open this up to every, anybody and everybody that your backyard, backyard cook that, that thinks they cook a big a good pizza. Uh, so, yes, they in, in my judges' classes, I conduct them on my back deck. I have a, a gas oven natural gas that I put a pizza stone on and I use the same pizza dough and I cook a pizza on the, the gas oven. I cook one on my smoker and then I cook the, the same dough on my, on my pizza oven. And it just gives those judges really opens their eyes because that pizza crust tastes very different from each oven. So basically I'm, I'm opening them them rules to where Hey, Hey, Cook your best pizza and cook it on the device you think makes your best pizza.
2: So, Jerry, when we were kids growing up, and I'm going to put you in this category, at least here in New York, there was Sicilian and there was regular. And that was it. You know, the toppings, you, you had your pepperoni, mushroom, you know, your sausage, meatball, those things, right? Now, of course, pizza, you go in a pizza parlor and it's just... It's, you know, shelves of whether it's salad pizza, white pizza, grandma pizza, you know, it's unbelievable all the types of pizza. Are you putting restrictions on it or can I enter a white pizza or or I I don't know, a grandma's pie and somebody else enters, you know, Neapolitan or something? Is there any restriction on the type of pizza that that we can cook or does that depend on the contest?
3: Yeah, exactly. That depends on the contest, but for our first event, we, we let that be wide open. Mm-hmm. So okay. anything was, anything was uh, present that you presented was, was admissible. In my judges class, I really try to give, give all those judges. Uh, we go over different materials for the different pizzas you mentioned, Neapolitan. We look at Detroit, we look at Chicago, we look at New York style, we look at a St. Louis, you know, is it thin, like a wafer thin crust cut into squares, you know, the white pizza, even though, and and then there could be some pizzas that really don't have a a certain style. You have some cooks, you know, that they, they, if they weren't in the restaurant business or trained in cooking pizza and they just come up with a barbecue, you know, with pork and and, and barbecue sauces as your sauce. Hey, you know, Go for it! You know that that that's what we're looking for. We're looking for creativity and 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 taste. So the judges break down those categories. So no matter what pizza you turn in, they're judging accordingly. Is there a time
1: limit to cook the pizza? I mean, do you give the contestants? I don't know. I know when I go into a pizza sh- uh, joint or pizza shop, you know they cook it right in those ovens and it's it's ready in twenty minutes or whatever it is. Giving it, it's on different devices in the contest, be it a a pizza oven or a grill or something, is there like a a time limit that you give to turn in the pizza?
3: Yes. And it depends, it's going to depend from from event to event and on how many cooks we have at each event. So say we're upwards of 30 cooks, we'll do that in, in half hour time slot. So when they pick those random numbers and you're, you know, one through 10, then you're going to have a, a, a 30 minute time limit to get your, your pizza turned in. And then it'll break down, you know, it's in increments of 30 minutes.
1: Right. Well, that would prevent the, uh, all the pizzas that being cooked later, they would have the around. same.
3: Right. Exactly. Yeah. We're trying to avoid trying to get those pizzas put, you know, move through there where they're not sitting for any prolonged period of time. That's our goal we're just starting off and and you know we'll we'll t- tweak that as we go along but right that that's the idea behind it right now
2: yeah that's what i thought when when i'm looking at all the rules online which is terrific you have you've got su- such a great website jeff what's the, what, what's their website
1: it's a cook-off.com
2: yeah and it has it, it's a great website gives the rules and one of the rules that i saw was that the dough cannot be made on site. So you have to bring the dough with you to the cook-off. Correct. What the reason is for that?
3: Well, most people that make make their own dough knows it goes through a fermenting process. And you're not going to find too many people that can make dough on the fly like that. That's going to be a winner. I'll put it that way. Your dough... There's people that have a a three-day fermenting process. They make it three days ahead. Some people make it two days ahead. A lot of, you know, restaurants, just for time or space sake, you know, they make it for a one-day fermenting process. So we just want to avoid, you know, people bringing out mixers and, and more equipment than they really need to try to even make that dough the same day, but that's... If 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 they're they know anything about pizza, they'll they'll make that pizza the the day before or not the same day.
1: Now uh, this is an audio podcast, but just to tell our audience behind you there, a a banner with the Pizza Cook-Off Association and your sponsors, Alpha Ovens and Fire Within, and looks like Carolina Cookwood is also on there. And Gosney is that how to pronounce that right? It's pronounced Gosney. Gosney. And you mentioned your earlier portion panel. So uh, they must be big, big supporters of you, obviously. So tell us about uh, how they got involved.
3: Well, when I, when I started this, my, my main goal for my members was to try to give them pizza ovens at different pr- price points and fire within being the highest price point company. there, their ovens are like cat. They're the Cadillacs of the, so to speak of it. Of the pizza ovens they they range anywhere from eighteen thousand to thirty thousand they're already mounted on a trailer they're they got this uh, Italian ceramic tile on them some of them have a sink on there so the top of the line and then oh. alpha is middle middle of the line they they start their smallest oven starts around twelve hundred and they go up to about ten thousand dollars the the Gosney being the smallest oven Thirty, or I want to say, forty-two pounds. I think it weighs very portable, and and those I think start at four or five hundred dollars. Alpha, being my main sponsor, I reached out to them when I was putting my website together and sent them an email just explaining what I wanted to do and my idea. And within thirty minutes, I got a response back, and they told me we knew it would just be a matter of time before somebody did this, and we'd love to partner with you. So. They, they've been in it since day one. They have provided me some ovens. And you mentioned earlier in, in, my, in my rules, they gave me three ovens. And I have the option to take these ovens to different events and let some cooks use those if need be. The goal in the long run is for everybody to own their own oven. But just to get this thing kicked off, um, it just opens it up a little bit more to have some ovens. If, if possible, at different events.
1: Now, uh, on your website, there's. I just want everybody to know there's links to these companies. And I clicked Correct. on Alpha, and it looks like a amazing machine there, machine oven, I should say. You know, it looks like wood burning. Is that how it is, or is it gas? Was it?
3: Yeah, both? they 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 have both. They have both. Um, yeah, they have both. You got an option uh, for either one.
2: So now, I want to cook in one of these competitions. You're new, so we're in New York. Am I at this point? I'm not finding one near me, right? That's going to be future. Is the goal? I'm sure is to be all over the country, right? Correct. Yeah.
3: Yes, and how, how it's going to grow is to get somebody interested uh, to be a rep. That's just okay. an extension of, extension of me. They would just contact me. I would basically get them into a judging class, get them acquainted with all the rules and know the rules inside and out. And then they would sort of contact, get a pool of judges together in your area. And I would come up and conduct a a judges class, probably a minimum of of 10 to 15 judges. And from there, then that's how, you know, then you find somebody to to have an event and that's really all it takes. You have, you have, some some certified judges and we basically that rep and myself you know to get this thing kicked off we'll we'll meet with whoever wants to promote that event uh go through all those rules and and make it happen so that's how it's going to grow
2: and then i want to cook in this contest i'll know in advance if there's going to be a pizza oven there or is it best that i bring my own would that which would you recommend?
3: Um it's it's best best to bring your own and I'm gonna tell you why it's really hard trying it's not hard but if you have your own oven and you're practicing on it you're gonna know just like a grill when you're cooking you know your yep. steak Good you're point. gonna know the hot spots and you're gonna know how that oven performs mm-hmm. so it's really really to your advantage to have your own oven but we we're gonna do our best to you know to try to get some ovens out there to and, and get more people to compete. And that way, once this does catch on, I'm sure people want to go out and buy their own ovens and, and really practice and perfect it.
1: On your website, it has uh, memberships, membership levels. There's a couple of levels. And to be a, a judge, you have to be a member of the Pizza Cook-Off Association. So my first question is, well, I guess I just answered my first question to be a judge, but about how many, how many members do you have at this time?
3: Right now, I just had my seventy-fifth member this week, and we have thirty-four uh, certified judges already certified. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah.
2: almost half for judges.
1: And you and you started this just a couple of years ago, correct?
3: No, uh, actually, went on uh, went live last June. Oh, yeah. Okay,
2: not so bad. A little, over, a little over a year. Not, not bad. You know, it's it, it is it is a great thing. The the state cook-off association they found you know people like to just go in that day be done the same with the pizza you're, you're right you don't have you're not there a whole weekend you can go in you could cook your pizza the, the prize money that that is it's i mean it's you're not gonna uh you know it's not baseball money jeff but, but <laughs> one day one day uh, But it's <laughs> <used> to earn <laughs> it's what they earn back yeah. in you know
1: so uh yeah, in the 50s. Jerry, tell us about the uh how to qualify for the Pizza Cook-Off Association National Championship.
3: Okay, so we haven't determined when that, that national championship will be. Of course, we got to get a number of events under our belt first, but the winner of each event is automatically qualifying for that championship. And then we're we're gonna do a points chase similar to what the stake people do. Uh, and barbecue folks, for that matter. If you come in second, you you know you get eight points. If you come in third, you know you get six points. So that that's those records are kept, and the top five will also compete uh, every year. So we got one under our belt so far. We have our second event coming up, August the 26th in Opelika, Alabama. We have another one on the books for for November. We haven't posted that one yet, but that's in the works. And I'm in the talks with a couple of promoters, and hopefully, if all things go well, I can't really let the cat out of the bag yet. But hopefully, f- 14 or 15 more events next year. So nice. Maybe by this by this time next year, and we want to do it sort of do it in in the fall, you know, October time frame months where it's not quite as you know hot, <laughs> and and have that national championship.
2: All right, so Jerry, we're going to. uh, we 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 talked about, we know you're a big baseball fan. We know you're an Atlanta Braves fan, but I have two questions, pizza related and baseball related. So Jeff, let me ask these questions. All right. Thank you. The first, we know that the hot dog is at a baseball game. It's, you know, it's the number one food, at least that's historically, you know, everyone talks about hot dogs at baseball games. What's it going to take for a slice of pizza to become more popular than a hot dog at a baseball game? When's that going to oh, happen, that's a, that's
3: a hard one. That's <laughs> I, a really hard one. Tough I'm, a, I'm a traditionalist. So <laughs> that hot dog's going to be very, very hard to replace with pizza. But I, I just think, you know, let this thing kick off for a few years and let more people, once people start cooking pizza themselves, they're more aware of what goes into make one. They're more aware of, of taste and quality. And who knows? I mean, you get some of these, you know, top places like, and I could relate to uh, permani Brothers, for example, in Pittsburgh. They have the famous Permanente Brothers sandwich. So those that stadium has, has that restaurant inside that stadium. You know, if different stadiums, you know, take on different popular pizza places in that city, who knows, one day... But now I think that's going to be in, in a very far future.
2: All right. So here's number two. All right, because I think I've I think i figured out how we can we're gonna it's going to be like uh, the 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 fly. It's going to be Brundle fly. What about a slice of pizza that's topped that's topped with hot dogs <laughs> and maybe even hot dog f- fixins? So you take in the slice and instead of pepperoni, we're slicing up some hot dogs on top of
3: it. Boy, I'll tell you, you, you couldn't ask that question in a better time. But today's Monday. So Saturday, my wife came up with a hot dog pizza. I can't she believe it. She <laughs> topped it. She topped we we put the pizza in the oven. We we slightly cooked it, took it out, put chili <laughs> for the base. There you go. She crumped she cut up some onions. We grilled some hot dogs. Put the hot dogs on there and then put some cheese on it and finished it off. It was delicious. Wow.
2: wow. I, wait a minute. Okay. I want in on that Jerry. That, okay. I don't want to, it was my idea. I don't know how she stole my idea, <laughs> but I want some got, credit there. I just feel like, no, oh, that's terrific. You guys, you guys are in cahoots. I think <laughs>
1: exactly. <laughs> Jerry, I think you should have that National Pizza Championship held at uh, Truist Park and have it in September. This way you can get to feed all the Braves a lot of pizza this way uh, when it's time to play the Mets. They'll be full and they won't be able to move so much. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's thinking how to sabotage the Braves.
3: <laughs> uh, that's a good one.
1: Yeah, so the uh, little turn into baseball. You're a Braves fan and with Mets fan, it's gonna. I think it's gonna come down to the wire.
3: It, it really is. But you guys, when Degrom's back, I really think you know that team's really gonna get a boost from that. Definitely one of the best pitchers in baseball. Top top three in my book. Uh, when he's on, I don't think there's a better pitcher around. And then you got Scherzer. So your rotation definitely looks better than ours. We got some hitters though, and and you know they've been there. And it, it really is going to come down to the wire. I think I think uh, if if you guys beat us out and win the division, I think we'll we'll be there for the play for a wild card. And then who knows what could happen from there, like it did last year.
1: Exactly. I mean, the Mets had a the double digit lead, and and they didn't play bad. I mean, they had no long losing streak. But those Braves had that what 12-14 game winning streak that just wow. You know, they couldn't lose for a couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, that that was incredible. We we but you know the, we started out the year ho hum again, and and all the talk down here was are they ever going to put it together? They they pretty much had the same makeup as they did last year, but. And then they finally put that run together, starting in June, and and it's, it's been incredible since then. So, yeah, pretty pretty much neck and neck right now. And I know we got a lot of games head to head, and I actually got tickets to one of those games in mid-August here. So, yeah, looking forward to that one.
1: Well, you know, I just read in today's paper. No, actually, it wasn't in the paper. It was in twi- on Twitter a little while ago at the doubleheader at City Field on August sixth. The two pitches the Mets are gonna throw is Max Scherzer and Jacob Degrom.
3: <laughs> wow, yeah, that's gonna yeah. be a day.
1: <laughs> yeah, but uh, the Braves had pretty good pitching too. I mean, this Max Fried is
3: a—he's
1: uh, a good pitcher. He's really good.
3: He is. But like I said, I think you guys got a, got us a little bit, in the, in the pitching column there for starting pitching, we we got a couple young guys there that we're sort of counting on, but uh, a little iffy, but. Good, good, good bullpen, and we got some pretty good hitters.
1: Well, if Michael Soroka comes back this year, that's going to be a, a formidable, formidable team too. So,
3: yeah, we we are sort of crossing our fingers on Mike because you know he's been out for a couple years, and if he if he can come back anywhere near where he was, we'll be lucky.
2: We're kind of crossing our fingers on Jacob Degrom. I mean, that's just. You said August sixth. I'm guessing is that going to be his first yep. appearance? Yep. That he's coming back. So wow. that might be a day to get him because uh, it'll be his first day back.
3: He'll be <laughs> he's sharp. He'll be sharp. Yeah. No. But the, <laughs> the
2: the Braves look. The Braves are the world champions, and uh, I mean the Mets seriously are playing amazing baseball, and. I'm not going to, if I say how many games it separates them, then everybody will know when we recorded this and then, you know, but, but they're very close at this point. <laughs> Let's just yeah. put it that way.
1: It's going to be close for the rest
2: of the season. That's Down sure. the stretch. It yeah. is, you know, but whatever team uh, emerges from this is going to be, as they say, stronger for it.
3: Yeah. What really impressed me the last time we played you guys was you had so many people out of the lineup and, and basically, I mean, there was some names in there, you know, that, that I haven't heard of. And you guys beat us two out of three, so mm-hmm. that says a lot for your team. There, we pretty much had our full full lineup, and even without that's without Scherzer and Degrom, and we we lost mm-hmm. two out of three. So, gotta Jeff, hand it to you,
2: Jeff. Don't you like that? He's not a cocky Atlanta Braves fan. I don't know. You know, I don't really know if Atlanta Braves fans are even cocky. They're not. You know, they they just kind of. They know they're good, and they don't need to. You
1: know the the Braves are a tough team to dislike. You know they are. They really yeah, are. They really are. <laughs> Even it's I true. hated Freddie Freeman. i like I love Freddie Freeman. You know uh, <laughs> because he always killed us. But it's hard to hate Freddie Freeman. I can't believe he's on the Dodgers now. But that's another story. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah Jerry, probably. you're not probably you're probably not too thrilled about that. No, not at all. And you have our catcher. You know. Uh, yep. Yeah. Becomes an all star with you guys. Of
3: course. Man. He's he's really he's really been a really solid guy behind the plate there.
2: Yeah. And also, I mean, now we're talking current Braves, but as as a Braves fan, you, you've had some you talk about our pitching staff. Uh the Braves have had some of the best pitchers, you know, there there have been, you know, between Glavin and Maddox and Schmaltz and Schmaltz, I'm saying it like a like I'm thinking matzo ball soup, Schmaltz. Right. <laughs> And smaltz and and I mean just just on and on. Uh you always have been the Atlanta Braves from the moment they came into the Mets division have been a thorn in our side.
3: Yeah, that 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 run back in the in the nineties with those three pitchers was was incredible. And you know, we should have had a few more titles than we did, but it was really, really great to watch. Uh when, I was fortunate to go go to a lot of games back then. And get to, got to see a lot of those pictures and, um, and all the baseball too, you know. Uh, yeah. Something else. Yeah. No, that was. And uh, we
2: are extremely happy that you came on with us. We want. How do people get more involved in the Pizza Cookoff Association?
3: Go to the website. You just dial, just put in the Google Pizza Cookoff Association, and it'll come up first thing on Google. Go to the website and sign up for my newsletter. When you get on my newsletter, I, I keep that. I, I probably post three or four different times a month and just keep people uh, current on all the events coming and, and what's coming up. And that's that's the, the best way. I'm also on, on Facebook. Uh, there's a page for Pizza Cook-Off Association on Facebook. Go there. Um, like I said, I'm getting ready to sort of create a little partnership with somebody, a promoter. And hopefully, like I said, we're going to have a bunch of events coming up next year and hopefully three or four more this year. But that newsletter will definitely um, keep you posted on everything.
2: Oh, and there was, Jerry, there was one other thing that I, I was I was in the process of wrapping this up, but I have to ask you one other thing. Right. Um, when you get these people that are coming in just as spectators, I saw something where the spectators can partake in some of the pizza from some of the teams. How, how does that work?
3: We're going to try to accomplish. And this really was one of the things when we got involved with barbecue and come to find out in the steak world that, that when you go to one of these events, the public cannot eat or taste any of the food there and the, the barbecue world that the the cooks, you know, that, that cook and, turn all that food into the judges, but there's nothing there for the public. Same thing for the steak. So what I wanted to try to do different, and this isn't going to work everywhere, and and it's going to be based on uh, where it's at, the health department for that particular region uh, is going to play a big part in that. But we're going to try to get the cooks to cook at least one extra pizza, and they turn that into the promoter, and the promoter has the ability to do pretty much whatever they want to with it. And what I mean by that is they could have a people's choice award. That's one way to sort of not get around, but that's one way to sort of skirt the, uh, the health department rules because you're not selling pizza. You're selling a ticket to, to vote on, on the best pizza. Mm -hmm. So we want those cooks to turn in at least one. And if, if they, you know, if they're practicing, they can cook, they could turn in more, but we want to try to get that, good relationship with whoever's promoting that event and work with them before that event to make that happen. And what we did at our first event, we, the cooks cooked extra pizza and we didn't have a people's choice, but we, we gave it away. And we also had, we brought a, a, a local pizza place in to, to sell some slices because we, you know, if you're going to look at people cook pizza and you're going to smell it and you, you want to be able to, you know, at least have a slice of pizza. So of course, we're going to try to make that happen at our events the best way we can. And that's just going to depend on where, where that event is located at.
1: Well, Jerry, we, we thank you for joining us again. The website is pizzacook-off.com. And I'm just looking at it right now. And one of the fun things I like about it is the pizza fun facts. I would I suggest everybody check that out. Super Bowl Sunday is the most popular pizza day of the year. of those watching the game at least eat at least one slice. And I can tell you from personal experience, I've had more than my share of slices. So, (laughs) well, thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.
2: Jerry, thank you. We wish you a lot of success.
1: Thanks.
3: Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Very good.
2: Jerry, I give both Jerry and Justin a big wow. I thank them for joining us. Jerry has really tapped into something and i think that you know with competitive cooking the way it is now there's no reason to believe that the pizza cook-off won't become a, a big event in, in a lot of
1: different cities maybe they'll have a competitive eat, pizza eating contest
2: i'd like to be in that
1: and joey uh chestnut would win that
2: <laughs> yeah joe oh joey chestnut would definitely win that and i want that pizza that i created with the hot dog's and the chili and stuff. I don't know. I don't know how his wife read my mind. but And you know what, Jeff? We were talking about Carlos Beltran. I would like to know what the listeners think. So please, I know you already gave this information, but give it one more time, please. And I would like to know, is Carlos Beltran a Hall of Famer? And by the way, when I ask, is Carlos Beltran a Hall of Famer? I, I don't mean, is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? or you know, the 10th time on the ballot. In my opinion, if a guy's a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer. Doesn't matter, first ballot. Okay? Yeah.
1: Give us a call, 516-855-8214, or email us, bbq at gmail.com.
2: And let me just tell everybody to please visit barbecuebuddha.com for rations, amazing sauces, rubs, cookbooks, all there for you to order it's it's so simple it comes i've ordered from there the box you would think they were shipping gold actually that you'd think they were shipping a picture that that uh gets hurt all the time so they put them in bubble wrap cuz these bottles are wrapped in bubble wrap and such a great thing how they wrap it and everything so BarbecueBuddha.com, our friend Ray Sheehan. And then, of course, baseballBBQ.com for grilling tools and accessories. Check them out. It's never too late. Please know, everybody, that episode 144 is brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: I guess that will wrap it up for episode 144. Wrap it up. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We just want to say thank you to all our listeners. And we want to end this with the poet, Shel Krakowski, the musician, Dave Dresser, and their song, baseball always brings you home and we'll see you on episode 145.
1: See you next week, Leonard.